such a, a strong excitement. And I believe it's because we're getting it. And what I mean by that is I, I so appreciate the word that, that uh, Steve and Wendy have been bringing. Realizing that it's our beliefs, our wrong beliefs that are holding us back. You know, because Jesus or the Bible says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. You are what the world needs. The world is hopeless. The world is in darkness. The world is helpless in bondage. And you, everybody say me. Point your finger at yourself and say me. The person that you're talking to, you are the hope that this world needs. But yet we're not able to deliver that to them as long as we stay bound by wrong beliefs and not realizing and agreeing with God as to who he says we are. See, the fact that you are powerful is not a cliche. But it's a truth that he wants you to realize so that he can be powerful through you to set people free. And so we're starting to get it. We're starting to understand. And we're going to quit looking at our baggage and looking at our weaknesses and looking at our failures and the things that have happened to us in the past. And we're going to stop seeing those as, as hindrances. And we're going to start seeing that as a part of the arsenal that God's going to use as weapons against the enemy. And we're going to be able to approach people and confront people who are bound. And we're not going to be intimidated by them or their stuff or their junk or their mess or their bond. We're not going to be intimidated because we're so intimately acquainted with the one who set us free. And so we're getting it. We're beginning to believe the message that we've been told for many, many years. And I'm so stinking excited. Is that okay to say? I'm just fired up because the most beautiful thing is to see you people being who he's called you to be and watch out Stillwater. Watch out Edmund. Watch out wherever we live. Watch out. Amen. Watch out Brazil and Uganda. Watch out. Bombs are coming. All right, enough said from me. I just want to remind you guys that um, we will be taking up an, a love offering for the Backlands, but we're not passing the plate, but we have an offering box in the hallway. So before you leave tonight, only if you've been blessed. We just want you to sow into them and just bless them. Make all your checks and make all your cash payable to New Covenant Fellowship. And then we'll make sure everything goes to them. Okay, so just make sure you, before you go, there's offering boxes on the walls and a box out there has their name on it. Uh, just make checks out to New Covenant Fellowship. You can give on a kiosk if you want to use a debit card or anything like that. And we'll make sure everything goes to them. How many of you guys have appreciated the backlinks up to this point? You know, I appreciate what Kaylin said earlier. She said to them, she said, it's so cool to see you guys in 3D. <laughs> You know, you can see them on YouTube or podcast or TV or whatever, but to actually see them in the flesh has been awesome. So let's welcome the backlands as they come up here.
Amen, amen. Good night. Anybody, anybody blessed? Yes. Shared last night, we kind of like this place. <laughs> this be a kind of church I'd like to go to. <laughs> Got some great friends, James in Canada, why don't you just wave there. Pastors in Edmond and Oasis and with their children are here. We bless you guys. Great leaders. We've ministered in their church and love what God's doing there. We got a quick video. Is that ready? Just to, just, uh, just about our ministry, Igniting Hope Ministries. Wendy's ever seen that. First time. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> it was pretty impressive. <laughs> Must have been oh, yeah. an intern who did that. Yes, I, I had. You couldn't. Oh, yeah. let's, let's laugh. Bad at declaration. That. Yeah, let's <laughs> laugh at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to share a testimony. How many of you, by the way, this is your first night. You weren't here last night. Okay, welcome. And we just... Uh, Here's what I want to do. I'm going to share a testimony. After the testimony, if you were here last night and there was a phrase that stood out to you, I want you just to raise your hand. We'll call on you. You say the phrase, just the phrase only. I'll repeat it for the uh, recording, and then we'll be able to get that. So just um, be ready on that. Here's one of my favorite testimonies of our ministry. Uh, we as I shared last night, we pastored a rural church in the 90s in Nevada for 10 years from 1991 to 2001. And I decided I would not only be the senior pastor, I would become the youth pastor because my children were that age and God had opened a great door into the high school and God started to move and we developed a youth leadership team and we had an idea that we heard somebody else do and we incorporated it. We created the top 10 hit list of most unlikely people to get saved in our high school. And we made a list of 10 names. We said, these people, in our opinion, are the least likely to ever become Christians. <laughs> I mean, you know, God kind of gets excited. When you do things like that. And, you know, angels get excited. And we put one name at the top of the list who we thought, this guy is the most impossible person in the whole school to ever get saved. His name was Caleb. He was not living up to that name. <laughs> and, um, I mean, he, he just every other word he seemed to say was the F word, and it wasn't faith. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. 
And so we started believing for him. We started prophesying into his life, speaking into his life. And he got saved. Somebody say, yay. Yay. This was about 1999. We leave in 2001. That church, and then a, a spiritual son and daughter took over the pastorate of the church, and we, we kept in connection with the church. And then in 2012, that spiritual son and daughter left the church uh, to, to move on, and we went and laid hands on the new senior pastor of the church, and anybody want to guess what his name was? His name was Caleb. He's a great leader. He's a great leader. He and his wife's guy got five children. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a passionate guy. How many of you know uh, people's negative qualities are often just um, um, an immature aspect of who they really are? And here's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing this. Unlikely people around here are getting saved. Unlikely people. The least likely people. And I believe in 10 years from now, some of the most least likely people in this city and this region are going to get saved and they'll they'll be the leaders in 10 years. And there's even unlikely people in this room. The experts have said, wow, your potential is limited. Let's just laugh at that, by the way. (laughs) Your potential is limited. (laughs) There's there's unlikely people in this room that you're going to get it. You're just, the the doing laps in the wilderness is going to stop and boom! You're You're going up the mountain. Because there's a a force of grace on you, a force of revival that's going to propel you to do what you never thought you could do. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I I think he might be talking about you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, who was here last night? You just raise your hand and say, I heard something. Wow, whoa. Wendy, we've got a problem. You responded to the first part of the sentence. Too, too many. What? What was it? Yeah. What did you hear last? Did you, you raise your they, hand? They all raised their hand because you said who was here oh, last night. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Wendy, for helping me. Who was here last night and has something you heard last night that you want to say, and I'll repeat it. Is that clear? Yeah, living from miracle to miracle is wilderness living. Uh, we're called to live in the promised land, which is abundance. Somebody else? Yes. Yep. Ha-ha. Every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie, and that, is, that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. God has not called us to be realistic. He's called us to be supernatural. Anybody else? You heard something that, yes. My hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. I think I'll say that again. 
My hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem because my hopelessness tells me I'm believing a lie in that area of my life. And unless I deal with the lie, that area is probably not going to have long-lasting change. Anyone else? Yep, you won't fight for what you don't believe is yours. Yes, powerful. Your problem is not your problem. Your perspective about the apparent problem is the problem. Say that five times. <laughs> yes. You're saved. I shared a testimony that when I first got saved, I thought I was only saved when I felt saved. I mean, you know, that's a little hopeless. And, and, and feelings don't validate truth. Just because something feels true doesn't mean it's true. Say that again. Yeah. So often we focus on the behavior, what am I doing wrong, instead of asking the question, what am I actually believing wrong? Is that what you meant? Yep. Very good. Yep. God loves to use people who are unreasonably optimistic. You know, by the way, um, people tonight are going to get delivered from pessimism. This is a pessimism deliverance meeting. <laughs> I just want to throw in, too, you know, we believe in joy and hope, but we're not, you know, like just positive confessors. We actually believe in biblical optimism. Ooh, that's a good word. You know, it, it's not, I don't believe there's no problem. It's, I know who has the solution. And it's okay to talk about negative circumstances. Just don't come up with negative conclusions about the circumstance. It's okay to talk, oh, they're sick. Just don't make a conclusion that they're staying that way. Anyone else? Yet when we sin, it doesn't change who we are. We're, we're a righteous person who's having a sinful experience. Our, our, how many of you know if, if, we believe, if we believe we're a sinner, we'll sin by faith? I'll say that one again. <laughs> how many of you know if I'm trying to act righteous, but I believe I'm a sinner, we'll sin by faith? I'm not a sinner, I'm a saint. And if I wait for my behavior to validate my identity and my beliefs, I've got it backwards. Well, I'm going to believe I'm righteous when I'm consistently acting righteous. That's ridiculous. I think most of us, we tend to challenge the word of God with our experience. 
you know, God says you're righteous, but we try to challenge that word with the experience of unrighteousness. But we're supposed to challenge our experience with the word of God. That may have been an unrighteous act, but I am a righteous child of God. And this is who I am. We have to challenge everything that is trying to disprove what God says. That's part of the battle. We are who God says we are, not who our experience says we are. I'm an organized person who frequently has disorganized experiences. <laughs> but I'm a very, I'm organized. I've got a sound mind. <laughs> I've got a high-level healing gift who often has non-high-level healing gift experiences. But I, got, I have a powerful gift of healing. I'm a righteous person that sometimes sins. Uh, I'm, um, I have an emotional soundness who sometimes has non-emotional sound experiences. I'm a great husband who sometimes has non-great husband experiences. <laughs> but I am who God says I am. It says, let the weak say I'm strong. Let the person in a weak experience not agree with their experience, but keep agreeing with God and keep saying they're strong not about denial if you need to go to the doctor go to the doctor get prayer get prayer but don't call yourself weak because if you identify yourself with your experience you become the stronghold you that that i believe this that christians agreeing with negative past experience creates the biggest strongholds that block the purposes of god that's what i believe and I know it's hard for some people because it was really difficult for me to call myself what God was calling me before I had proof of it. And he said, well, why do you call an apple tree an apple tree? You know, is it because it has apples? What do you call it before it has apples? What if it dies before it has apples? Yeah, still we still on. call it an apple tree. So we understand that we call an apple tree an apple tree not because it has apples, but because it was created to have apples. And that's what God wants us to do. He doesn't call us those things because we've had the fruit of those things, but because we were created to produce that fruit. We're supposed to call ourselves by what we're created for, not by what we've actually done. Whoa. That's how things work in the kingdom you know he told me when he told me to start declaring that I was an author and it was like well that's lying because in my book an author is someone who's written a book <laughs> and he said you know Wendy if you die before you ever write a book in heaven you'll still be known as an author not because you wrote a book but because I created you to write a book And that's why he's calling you things that you don't seem to agree with. But just remember, okay, he knows what I was created for. And I have to come into agreement with it to actually begin to see it manifest. Because as long as we keep arguing, we won't step into it. Wendy, I thought an apple tree had to have an apple hanging off it before it could say it had the gift of apples. Just has the gift of leaves. <laughs> you know, I thought you had to have books actually hanging off you before you could say you're an author. 
I thought you had to have righteousness hanging off you or power. Hmm. You guys are okay out there? <laughs> Judges 6. Story of Gideon starts. Bad time in the nation of Israel. <laughs> Very bad time. Gideon is in a wine. There, the Midianites are oppressing the Israelites. It's a time of lack and poverty and fear. And um, people cry out. One of the main solutions to the cry out is an angel. In verse 12, it says this. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, <laughs> Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? <laughs> Where are his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. Turn to your neighbor and say, go in the strength you have. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, but Lord. <laughs> but Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. And Many of you know the story that just led into a great victory. I mean, Gideon, he had negative church growth from 30,000 to 300. <laughs> well, he finally got convinced, but, you know, he didn't believe it at first. Now, the purpose of the angel coming to Gideon was to change how Gideon thought. That's purpose. That's really, that's really the purpose of prophetic word. He gave him a word. He told him who he was before he was. He said, you're a mighty warrior having a non-mighty warrior experience. But you're a mighty warrior. That's who you are. And he said, but sir, it didn't feel true. And we're, we're going to laugh at a few lies later. And so just, but I'm going to give you a lie here to laugh at anyway, just before I teach on it. So give me a faith laugh on this one. <laughs> <clears throat> Let's laugh at this. If a word is really from God, the moment it is heard, it will feel true. Ha, 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 ha. That's how we do that. We just, ha. Ha. <laughs> and, and Gideon, now the, the future of the nation of Israel is locked up in the thinking in Gideon's mind. Once Gideon thought differently, the nation got saved. Now, there's a powerful verse in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, two verses. It's probably the most quoted verses about spiritual warfare in the Bible. It says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Somebody go, rah, <laughs> The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, taking every 
thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, the only command in that, in those two verses is to take how many thoughts captive? Every thought captive. The highest level of spiritual warfare is the decision to think differently, is to think higher. Now, Gideon, the, the warfare was in Gideon's mind. The warfare wasn't against directly Baal or whatever. The warfare, because once Gideon changed what he thought, the stronghold got pulled down. The 2 Corinthians 10 is not about strongholds. It's not talking about regional demonic principalities. I'm not saying there's never going to be a time where we don't need to address those directly, but what it's talking about in those verses is the greatest strongholds are in the mind. And, and God's given us mighty weapons to pull down strongholds. The, the angel came to pull down the stronghold that was in Gideon's thinking. Now we're here, we're here to be the angel in your life. To help pull down strongholds of bad beliefs. I believe the future of, uh, of America is locked up in the thinking of the Christians in America. What do you think about that, Wendy? Uh, I agree. <laughs> Lord, help us. Because we keep disqualifying ourselves. And uh, I remember one time I was just kind of struggling with, have you ever heard of the stories where people, you know, just one day they couldn't play the piano and then the next day they were, you know, playing piano and worshiping or, you know, the really powerful people who they've, had this prophetic gift and you're like how did you do that and it's like well i just been doing it since i was two um <laughs> and it just i kept thinking you know god just sovereignly decided that some people could just have these powerful lives in ministry and in the spirit and i when i saw them i always felt like it was a statement about me because he chose them and so I always kind of felt like, well, those are the people who were sovereignly chosen to be level 10 Christians, and the best I can do is level 3. And finally God said, you know, Wendy, I did sovereignly pour my spirit out on certain people, but it wasn't for the reason you suppose. He said, I had to sovereignly pour out my spirit on some of the people so the rest of you would know what's available. And he said, whenever you see a powerful Christian, whether it's moving in the, the supernatural or the prophetic or um, evangelism, he said, I want you to view it as an invitation. Because that is what you're created to be and do. You know, the scripture says that we are new creations. And I think we have a theology of that, but the question is, is then what are you? If you're a new creation, it means you're not human. Because in that verse, the new creation isn't a new and improved human. It actually is a whole new, you know, like if, it, if we're talking about transportation, it's not a new and improved airplane. It's a whole different type of transportation never seen before 
And one of the things that really has interested me, in, because God has been talking to me a lot about, I want you to, to go after who you are now that you're born again. Don't believe you're what you were before the transformation. Because mm. being born again isn't just a theology. And he started making real to us in that scripture in Romans 12, 2, where it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed is the same word that in the Greek that we use for metamorphosis, changing a caterpillar into a butterfly. And they've actually proven that um, caterpillars and butterflies disprove evolution. Because caterpillars don't evolve into butterflies. They actually have two sets of DNA. And while they're a caterpillar, the butterfly DNA is dormant. And when they go into the cocoon, the caterpillar DNA begins to just kind of melt away. And the butterfly DNA comes to life and begins to create a whole new creature. My. To me, that gives whole new meaning to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because I always thought he just wanted me to be a better caterpillar. You know, if I could just be a better caterpillar. And he's not asking us to be better caterpillars. He's asking us to actually know what we have been created to be and do. And that's when we're, we're going to start seeing the, the miraculous. We're going to see the greater works that Jesus has told us about because we're actually going to step into our new creation. And one of the things that God told me, because I was so busy trying to die, I was like, if I could just die enough, I could be a great Christian. And God said, well, how dead can you get? <laughs> you know, Scripture says you've been crucified with Christ and you no longer live, and it's past tense. And Scripture also says that we not only died with him, but we were raised with him. And he said Christianity is not learning how to die. It's learning how to live a resurrected life. Because once you envelop and embrace this resurrected lifestyle, you actually can learn to fly. But as long as you're just trying to be a, butter, a, a caterpillar, nothing happens. And that's why this is all good news is because we're all new creations. Yes. We can do. We can't base our future on our past anymore. Even if we keep stumbling, you know, we don't decide, well, that baby must not be a human because it's not doing what its parents are doing. It's not walking and talking. It must not be human. But we tend to think, well, I must not be a new creation because I'm not doing what other spiritual people are doing. God's into process. So we need to learn to walk in the spirit. Powerful. And, you know, a caterpillar creates a cocoon, but... A silk coming out of its mouth someone just go hmm hmm and another just science fact because I, I love science is that in the old days they used to say that they knew what 
20% of our DNA was for, and 80% of our DNA they called junk DNA. My question is, is maybe it's not junk. Maybe it's waiting for the transformation by the renewing of our mind. And they've also, they've known for years and years that our environment will turn on and off our genes and our DNA. You may have DNA that's predisposed towards something and environment will turn it on or off. But now they've proven that what you believe will also affect your DNA. Wow. Your belief system will turn certain things on and off in your genes. Sounds like faith to me. Sounds like God created a principle to work within our bodies. Someone say, wow. wow. <laughs> it, the transformation comes from renewing the mind, comes from thinking differently. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, the context of that is God's given us mighty weapons to pull down strongholds of bad beliefs and believing lies. We shared yesterday, we used to be devil-focused Christians, but the Lord says, I want you to become a belief-focused Christian and not talk about the devil much, but talk about your beliefs all the time. As Jesus said in John 8, 32, the truth will make you free. And we get saved by believing in Jesus, we get free by believing like Jesus. And, and so we, we realize, you know, we're not going to be ignorant about the devil, we even on, put on the full armor of God, you got to believe something. But we realize if we believe truth, we get free. And it doesn't sound like the devil's bugging us very much if we're free. Someone say amen to that. And I like, I like the fact, though, that when we actually started going after beliefs, it felt so overwhelming at first because when we first got this revelation, we had so many bad beliefs. I mean, we, we, the only time I thought right when I was under the manifest anointing. In the prayer meeting, yes, amen! We've got the victory! But outside of the, outside of the prayer meeting or the worship service, I was pessimistic, critical, worried, insecure, fearful. Someone please turn the music back on so I can think right. Then the Lord says, hey, uh, Steve, what you believe after the prayer meeting is more important than what you believe in the prayer meeting. Because that's truth. We don't get free just based on what someone believes who prays for us. And I want someone praying for me. But ultimately, whether I'm going to be free isn't based on their beliefs. It's based on my beliefs. And so we've been given weapons. Now, we're not going to talk a lot about declarations, but declaration is a weapon to pull down strongholds in our own mind. The reason I'm not going to talk about it because your pastor loves to talk about it, and I, uh, you know, I like to hear him talking about it, but, but I will say this, that you can't change your life without changing how you talk. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love what? Those who love the revelation that life is in the power of the tongue will eat the fruit of their past words. And when we actually start saying, you know what? I'm going to start speaking on purpose. It's a, James 3 says our words are like a, a, a rudder on a ship and a bit in a horse's mouth. We get pulled towards whatever we talk about a lot. 
It's a directing I get pulled towards. If I say everywhere I go, revival breaks out, I get pulled towards everywhere I go, revival breaking out. If I say nobody likes me, I get pulled towards having relationship problems and people and having no little favor. Now we have a, on the table, we have a, a declaration clicker. This is, this is, <laughs> this is exciting. We, I like to experiment. Now this is a tally counter. So uh, we, we ask people to do an experiment and make 100 declarations a day for a month and see what happens. And, and we, we did this in our ministry, and we said, give us a report after a month of 100 declarations a day. We got the most powerful testimonies of anything we've ever done. Just by declaring who we are. I'm strong. I, I'm blessed. I lead people to Christ. A million people are going to be in heaven because of my life. I'm a great decision maker. I live under a supernatural protection. Still waters a revival city. My prayers for America are working. My prayers for America are really working. I influence nations. I have an abundance for every good work. See, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing. To believe something different, to pull down bad beliefs, you have to hear something different. And I'm not waiting for you to come and say something to me. Some people say, well, I wish an angel would come to me like it came to Gideon. Or sometimes we have guest speakers, but those speakers never give me a word. Aha. Uh-huh. I say, give yourself a word. I got a book out there called You're Crazy If You Don't Talk to Yourself. You're absolutely crazy. I'm going to give this to you, sir, right there. Yeah. What's your name, by the way? Winston? Yeah, hey, uh, Winston, uh, I'll tell you, you know, I see on you... I see you're a leader. There's fire on your life. I see the Lord is raising you up. And I see you, God's giving you a revelation of the power of words. And I'm giving you that because I see that you're going to say things over your life and you're going to demolish lies and limitations on your life. And you're going to become what you never thought you could become. Matter of fact, yeah. Matter of fact, that whole second row there, why don't the whole second row just stand up right now? You guys right there. I mean, look at those guys. Now, I, I tell you this, I, I hear out of this city, there's a youth revival. This is a city with a youth revival. And I see even, you know, that, there, that there's something on you and there's a new wave of Holy Spirit that's going to touch you guys. And, and there's a powerful uh, season ahead. And there's people, there, there's some surprising people are going to get saved. Going to join you. So we bless you in the name of Jesus. I just want to say too, I really feel like there's a few of you who are really contending, contending for the supernatural. And God says it's yours. It's yours. You were created for the supernatural. Yay. Bless you guys. I, I just wanted to, um, 
<laughs> make a distinction about declarations because there's two kinds of declarations. There's some that we're making in prayer. We are decreeing a thing, you know, that's in line with the word of God and God is performing the word that he has sent. But there's also the declaration that is just for yourself to change what you believe because faith comes by hearing. So if we want to believe something different, we have to hear something different over and over. You know, some people think they're stupid because their parents told them they were stupid most of their life. And that's why they believe it. I had a friend who was far from stupid, but she thought she was. Because faith comes by hearing. So the declarations that we're talking about are are not so much something we're telling someone else, you know, I'm an author. It's so I can believe it, so I can do what I was created to do. And, um, and also it just shifts everything. You know, when um, sports teams get in a huddle before a big game, they don't get in a huddle and go, oh, I hope we win. <laughs> you know, we were really bad last week. Yeah, can you imagine, uh, you know, the Oklahoma State Cowboys <laughs> this week against uh, West Virginia? Saying, well, yeah, it's it's prob- we're probably not going to have a very good game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we made a lot of mistakes last week. They'll probably be repeated. <laughs> well, I mean, in the natural, we know is smart enough. I mean, that'd be dumb. Why why did we do that in the beginning of the day? You know, I mean, David when David was going after Goliath, he he was uh, making wild declarations. I'm going to cut your head off. He, he didn't have a sword. He didn't have a sword. <laughs> this guy was, he was a wild faith man. And so, you know, he, he, and just even, I want to attack every day. I want to say this is going to be a great day. God's going to show up today. We've got a declaration list on the table. Just it's free. Take it. You've got books to help you just change your life by changing how you talk. It's not the only thing you're going to do, but you're not going to have something just by saying something. But saying something is necessary to having something. It's, you're not going to have something just by saying something. But saying something is necessary to have it. It's part of the pie. It's not the whole pie, but it's a big piece of the pie. What are you saying? I mean, obviously there's love, there's wisdom, there's you know, other, other things. But, but if we don't say the right thing, it's going to be hard to do the right thing. For me, you know, I was such a feeler and so aware of how I was feeling. I didn't realize it at the time, but I used to wake up every morning and ask myself, how do I feel? And then I would go through my day, and if it was going to be a really busy day, I would say, oh, it's going to be a tiring day. And so I would have a tiring day. Or I would think about an appointment I have or something that was intimidating, and I would think, oh, it's going to be an overwhelming day. And I would have all the emotions of because I had already decided in my mind how the day was going to feel. And God said, you know, Wendy, asking yourself how you feel in the morning isn't the right question. The right question in the morning is what do I believe today? Mm. So I would grab my 
I had five by, three by five cards with my declarations, and it would shift everything because I would pull out those cards and I'd go, oh, yeah, everywhere I go, revival breaks out. People accidentally get healed when I walk by. I always have <laughs> more than enough for, you know, blessing people. And, you know, when you start saying that, you can feel everything shift on the inside for your day. So first thing in the morning is really powerful and then last thing at night because if you do it before you go to sleep then that is what's on your mind instead of worry you know declare what's true why don't you just uh repeat these declarations after me and winston you might want to just do just click on each one of those here why don't you just say this and and obviously we're believing everybody here's a christian if if you're not you giving your life to Christ tonight. It's just, just give your heart to the Lord just right now. Just say, Lord, I surrender. I give you my life. And, and just uh, he'll, he'll receive that. And why don't you just, uh, be, why don't you just say this, because these are, these are true about you. Just, just say, I'm blessed. I'm significant in worldwide revival. I hear God easily. The Bi- I have revelation about what the Bible says. I interpret it properly. I'm a worshiper. I'm a great decision maker. I live under a supernatural protection. I have an incredible favor on my life. I have an abundance for every good work. I have an abundance of health. Energy, finances, favor, wisdom, power, love, protection for every good work. I influence nations. I lay hands on the sick and they recover. I cast out demons. I raise the dead. I'm a great communicator. I'm a, I, 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 I love people well. I lead multitudes to Christ. I make disciples. I'm blessed. I have the joy of the Lord. Woo. All right, so here's what we're going to do. The last part of this message, I've been waiting for this moment, Wendy. (laughs) The last part of this message, we're going to release the joy of the Lord. Yes. Now, and we're going to tie it in to weapons. Now, it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Declarations are a weapon. You just, even as you were declaring, bad beliefs were getting pulled down. Now, one of the other weapons is the weapon of laughter. Now, now Wendy and I, in, in the, when we first started learning these truths about renewing the mind uh, in the early 90s, Wendy and I were joy-impaired, laughter-impaired Christians. Someone would be crying in church. We'd go, oh, yes, amen. God is moving. <laughs> and he probably was moving. Someone was laughing really hard, we'd be troubled. 
If they really got it, they wouldn't be laughing. Uh -huh. Then during that time, a phenomenon called holy laughter broke out. And what would happen with, you know, in meetings like this, someone who wasn't planning on laughing in the meeting would start laughing. They would try to stop laughing, and they couldn't. Sometimes whole sections of people would just start laughing. God didn't even ask preachers for permission to invade, his, invade the services. Sometimes preachers would, would get up and they would fully intend to preach and they would open their mouth and all that would come out would be laughter. Uh, as I watched that and observed it, I was troubled and uncomfortable. I said, God may want us a little happy, but I don't think he wants us that happy. <laughs> I'm going to look in the Bible, and I'm going to see if joy is actually in there, because I really don't think it's in there that much. <laughs> and so I look in there, and I find out, wow, it's all over. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I believe this, that our, our, our spiritual load-bearing capacity is in direct proportion to the level of joy in our lives. Our spiritual load-bearing, this is my theory, our spiritual load-bearing capacity is in direct proportion to the level of joy in our lives. Mm -hmm. He showed me Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart is good like medicine. Dr. God says, Steve, I have a prescription for you. I want you to laugh heartily three times a day. Let's just laugh at that, by the way. <laughs> it, 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 it's all over. It, Hebrews 1.9, Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above all his companions. He was the gladdest being on the planet. A glad Jesus messes up a lot of people's theology. Luke 2.10, angel announcing to shepherds the purpose of baby Jesus. How many think that was an important announcement? How many think they didn't talk off the top of their head? Well, I, I don't know what to say. I'll just make something up. I don't know. <laughs> here's, what, here's what the angel said. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people. Wow, this was the announcement, the one thing the angel said. He said, well, I bring you good tidings, I bring you good news of great joy, not just a trickle of joy, great joy, which will be for all, not just a few select ones with the right personality. You know, we've got a dog at home, his name's Duncan. And I'll tell you this, when we, when we come home, especially after a trip, he's a black lab. Yeah, he's a black lab, Duncan. You watch our, uh, our Instagram uh, daily 60-second hope injections. You'll see Duncan on them from time to time. He joins us. But when we come home, Duncan doesn't just have a trickle of joy. <laughs> he, he doesn't walk up to us 
quietly and, and say, I'm joyful on the inside. <laughs> no, his joy, he, 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 he has... Oh, he has joy unspeakable, no, actually joy unbarkable, <laughs> and full of glory. Unbar I mean, he's coming up, he knows he's not supposed to jump, but uh, he, he, he doesn't know what to do. He sprints around the house, he, 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 his tail's wagging so hard, I think he's going to pull a back muscle. <laughs> Almost, but... but you know, that's, that's, that's great joy. That's great. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people. I'm interested in what the angel didn't say to the shepherds. Behold, this baby's going to grow up, build a church, and you better attend. <laughs> but the one verse that really gets me, and there's many others, but just for the sake of time, it's Romans 14, 17, Wendy, it, it, where it says, the kingdom of God is not about meat and drink, but about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And joy is one-third of the kingdom. One, it's one-third. Wow. I guess if it's one-third of the kingdom, I shouldn't be passive about it. Well, Lord, you know where I live. If you want to give me joy, you can give it to me. Uh -huh. No, I mean, but it's one-third of the kingdom, and I could count on one hand how many messages I heard on joy probably for the first 15 years of my life. One-third of the kingdom. Nobody's talking. How come no one's preaching on it? I've got a theory why. Because under a religious mindset, it's impossible to be joyful. Because under a religious mindset, if you're joyful, you're really not getting it. Because if you got it, you'd understand God has just about had enough of you. <laughs> but enough of you. He's so frustrated and disappointed with you. He's about ready to implode. You prayed one hour. You should have prayed two. <laughs> you fasted for three days, but you ate a marshmallow on day two. <laughs> and now God is angry with you. <laughs> That's how the religious mindset thinks. You never do enough. You never, you know, if, if, you're, if you show any joy, it means you're telling, I, I, I'm not getting it. You know, I, I, I really had a subconscious thing. I need to be unhappy and pitiful, you know, so God actually knows I understand what a, what a wretched sinner I am. That's just, that's just bad doctrine. And, and we found this out. I mean, religion, we've said it, religion only celebrates and becomes joyful with perfection. But families celebrate progress. Families become joyful with progress. 
Yeah, it's a whole different mindset. And God actually told me, he said, if you want more joy, you need to start celebrating your baby steps. And that joy actually motivates you and strengthens you to keep going. Where condemnation and guilt makes you want to quit. And besides, if guilt and condemnation could change you, then Jesus didn't need to die. Well, So I don't know why we try to use that on ourselves. But when God started talking to us about joy, my first, because I was so, you know, raised under religion, my first thought was, oh, no, now I have to be happy, too. (laughs) You know? (laughs) (laughs) We were pastoring a church and, you know, I was doing everything I knew to do and it was hard work. And now it was like, now I have to pretend to be happy. (laughs) And so I'm like, I don't think I can do that, God, you know, maybe a day or two. And he said, I I don't want you to work up an emotion of joy so you can prove that you're a Christian. He said, joy has to be attached to a belief system. If you have a different belief, joy will come. And so celebrating our, pros- our progress is part of that belief system, that God isn't angry at us because we failed. He wants to celebrate, just like when you have a little kid who's learning to walk, you don't get angry every time they fall down. You know, when our daughter, our first grandson was learning to walk, she'd text us and say, Caden took a step. And we'd be like, woohoo, wow, that's so cool. But she never texted us and said he fell down 50 times today. You know, he's an embarrassment. (laughs) You know, we don't even want people to see him outside the home. (laughs) And, you know, we're not even sure he has the gift of walking. (laughs) And I remember looking at him when he was in that stage of learning. And I had this thought of, because he was always so happy. He'd get up in the morning and it was like, let's fail again today. And um, I remember thinking, I don't understand why toddlers aren't depressed. Think about it. The first year of life, all they do is fail. You know, they try to talk and they can't. They try to eat and they can't. They can't walk. They can't even stand. And so they have this whole year of failure after failure after failure. And yet, even in a halfway decent home, they're happy. And God said, that's how I want you to treat yourself and other people. Be okay with the process. Celebrate the baby steps. And, he's, and I said, well, why is it that they don't get depressed? And he said, they don't get depressed because they are so convinced that they can do what their parents do, that failure doesn't move them. And when we try to do what our daddy does and we fail... We get depressed because we're not convinced that we're created in his image. Babies look at their parents and they're convinced, I can do it. Someday I'm going to be able to do that. Yep. Yes, yes. And we need to believe, you know, I haven't raised the dead yet, but my daddy does. 
and someday I will. That's where we get our identity from who our daddy is. And we need to celebrate each other's baby steps. And don't get the identity from the 50 falls. Get the identity from the one step. We fall down and we think, oh, this proves it. I'm not a walker. (laughs) But we need to say, I took a step. I must be a walker. Whoa. Wow. The goal isn't perfection. The goal is progress. And celebrate. He told me the more you celebrate your progress, the faster you'll learn. But the more you condemn yourself, the slower you'll learn. So we get text, Caden took a step. We'd be so excited. (laughs) He took a step. We'd be celebrating progress. You know, if, if many parents were like Christian leaders, here's what they would say to their toddler when their toddler's trying to walk and falling down. They'd say this, quit trying to walk. You're being presumptuous and prideful. <laughs> it's clear you don't have the gift of walking. Because if you had the gift of walking, it wouldn't be so hard. Besides, if you had the gift of walking, you'd already be walking. Don't you know walking ceased with the apostles? (laughs) It's clear that God in an infinite wisdom and sovereignty has predestined you with the gift of crawling. Be content in this state you're in. I just laugh at that, by the way. (laughs) I I read a study that said little children laugh on average of 400 times a day. Somebody say yay. Yay. And the same study said adults only laugh 15 times a day. Somebody say boo. Boo. I want to grow up and become childlike. I want to grow up. I've tried being dignified as a Christian, and it's way overrated. (laughs) Oh, yes, amen, brother. You're excited now. (laughs) But one day, you'll become mature (laughs) like me. (laughs) No, thank you. So I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I want to laugh 400 times a day minimum as part of my health and well-being and longevity plan. Lord, do you have any suggestions on how I can do it? And I heard him say this, yes, Steve, do what I do. I said, Lord, what do you do? (laughs) He showed me Psalm 2-4. He who sits in the heavens laughs. How many here want to become more like God? All right. Yeah, I'm setting you up right now. Thank you for those hands. (laughs) Thank you for those hands. (laughs) The question is, what's God laughing at? Some say he's laughing at us. (laughs) Maybe true, but it's not the context. The context is, is God's laughing at what his enemies are saying and planning. I got an idea. I said, I'm a spiritual experimenter. I've done things I've never, ever heard other Christians do. 
And I thought, wow, if God's laughing what his enemies are saying, I'm going to do an experiment and I'm going to uh, laugh at lies that come into my mind. I'm going to say them out of my mouth and I'm going to laugh at them and see what happens. And I found out it's one of, it's, it's an absolute great way to start to pull down strongholds of bad beliefs because laughter begins to disempower the lie. Lies sound really real in the darkness of our thinking. Oh, yes, amen. I'm, when, I'm only saved when I feel saved. Yes, that feels true. It's got to be true. Then I actually say it out of my mouth. When I don't feel saved, it means I'm not saved. That's just stupid. <laughs> that, that's just stupid. And so... What I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to share in a moment some of the devil's all-time favorite lies. And all of us um, hear them on one level or another. And I'm going to ask you to laugh. Now, some of them you'll laugh really, you know, easily. Ha, 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 woo-hoo, ha, ha. You know, you'll laugh like that. You know, others of them are going to be a harder laugh because it's a deeper lie. You'll laugh like that. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> that what's happening there is you're actually getting delivered. <laughs> you're getting delivered. Now, some might say, well, I'm an authentic person, and if I laugh, it will feel fake, and therefore I'm not going to laugh. By the way, let's just laugh at that. <laughs> Your, your laughter is not fake, it's just rusty. Or it's like an atrophied muscle. You haven't worked out your laughter. And it does, I mean, you don't go to the gym and try to lift 300 pounds. You don't say, and you can't do it. You don't say, this is fake. <laughs> what you say is, no, I just need to work out at a lower weight. I need to work out, you know, maybe 50 pounds, 75 pounds or something to work up to that. Now, some of you will laugh at a 300-pound level. You'll just, your laugher muscles all worked out. You'll just, you know, it'd be easy. Others of you, you, maybe all you're going to get out is a haw. You know, just, but celebrate your haw. (laughs) Yeah, amen. Don't feel bad. Okay, you guys got it? All right, here we go. All right. And I'm, I'm going to share something. I, just, I want you to laugh just a little louder than you were planning as well. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's start with this, this favorite lie of the devil. God loves you, but he really doesn't like you. <laughs> Matter of fact... God, God doesn't like the still, wall, still water area. <laughs> he, he doesn't like this area because of its sinful history. <laughs> Here's one. God is not going to provide for your needs in the future. <laughs> Let's give an extra laugh now. <laughs> Because his ability to provide for your needs is dependent on how the economy is doing. (laughs) 
the lie I used to believe is that his ability to provide for my needs depended on how I was doing. <laughs> I thought it was based on performance. <laughs> 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 and talking about needs, here's a really good lie is you'll never get out of debt. <laughs> <laughs> And a really challenging one is America will never get out of debt. <laughs> it's too hard for God. <laughs> How about this one? Your prayers for America are not working at all. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh. You are not an important person in the body of Christ. <laughs> and here's when nothing happens when you pray. <laughs> Actually, things just get worse. <laughs> <laughs> and here's another popular one. You're such a failure. <laughs> You're stupid. <laughs> here's a lie I camped in for about a decade. There is something uniquely wrong with you. <laughs> uh. Oh, but that feels so true. It feels so true. There's something uniquely wrong with me. Oh, yes, there's something. Uh. And if it felt true, it, I mean, it, it's got to be true. Let's laugh at that. Uh. You know, we mentioned last night that because the nature of deception is you don't know you're deceived. And uh, I was talking to God about that, you know, and he said, you know, you can, tell, you can test your thoughts by two things. One, well, three things. One is, does it bring hope? But the other is, can you imagine God saying it? Can you imagine him saying, oh, yeah, still water's hard for the gospel? <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine him saying, there's something uniquely wrong with you? <laughs> I, I don't know why the cross doesn't work for you. <laughs> you know? And the other test is, can you imagine yourself saying it to a friend in, while you're counseling them? <laughs> you know, you are such a failure. You're never going to change. Yeah. <laughs> right. When we say it out loud, you realize, oh, this doesn't work. But we think, you know... We're smart enough to know enough not to say it to a friend, but we think maybe it'll work on me. 
Maybe if I tell myself I'm a failure or I'm stupid, maybe it will work to change me. And it doesn't. If you want to see change, you have to believe and say something different than you've been saying, not only out loud, but in your thinking. We have to take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. And in that scripture, when it says to the obedience of Christ, the Greek word for obedience could also have been translated to the agreement of Christ. We want our thoughts. And and the reason it says take them captive is because they don't want to go. It's warfare. And the more you, you, you want to say, but this one's true, that's the one you need to come against and take captive and say something different because that's where transformation starts. Two more lies to laugh at. Um, you don't have the right personality to be... <laughs> <laughs> You don't have the right personality to be joyful or to laugh much. (laughs) And then here's one of the devil's all-time favorite lies. Laughter is from the devil. We know we don't laugh all the time. We weep with those who weep, and we get that. We pastored, but listen, the, the, yeah, we, 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 we've hurt with people, but the, the body of Christ has been so joy deficient. And it's, it's a surprising weapon to break off bad beliefs. And here's, here's, here's the thing. You know, and just, just kind of wrapping up the message we, we look for areas of hopelessness. We, you know, we, we, we identify where we're hopeless, where we don't have great hope. We say, Holy Spirit, what's the lie I'm believing? What's the lie? And then to start to dismantle and to pull the stronghold down of that lie, we laugh at it. You know, I mean, it's some, some, you know, like just there's areas in my family, you know, where I feel like, wow, you know, there's, there's certain family relationships I feel hopeless about. And, and, and so I say, well, no, that my hopelessness about my family is a bigger problem than anything going on in my family. I, I, I identify that. Then I laugh at the lie that, um, that God's power is not great enough to bring restoration in my family. You want to laugh with me about that? Ha, 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 ha. Then we ask God, what's the truth? Because the truth will make us free. There, there's all kinds of truths. I mean, you know, it can be the truth that prayer, my prayers are powerful and effective. It, it, it can be a truth I've got a covenant with God that includes my family. Uh, it, it, it's, you know, just the, just the promises of God, you know, just in, in that he's, he's moving, you know, just even my, through my prayers where my family's at. And, and the churches are getting strong, just believing. And, and it actually, the truth is going to start get us free on the inside to where we, we come out of, uh, uh, out of that, that hopelessness. Increased hope is the evidence that we're believing truth. And, and we've just been so blessed just by being able to minister to you. I mean, it's been 
You guys are hungry ones. Man, I mean, you're, you're already, we're just uh, putting language to things you guys already believe. For some of you, it's new. But for a lot of you, the Lord's just, just actually putting a language to it. And here's what I'm hearing over you. I'm hearing over you, the Lord is giving you an Ezekiel 37 anointing. Where God showed Ezekiel a valley of very dry bones. And he asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel gave the safest answer of all time and said, oh, Lord God, you know. <laughs> then God said, prophesy. Tell them that they're going to live. He didn't say, Ezekiel, step aside. Watch me prophesy to these bones. I'm God. Now, God has to partner with somebody who's unreasonably optimistic. God has to partner with somebody who's going to say something different. And, and, and again, our hope level is going to determine our influence. And the question, really, on one level, is never how dry the bones get. The question is whether we've renewed our minds enough to believe the bones can live. I'm going to do everything I can to stop my nation's bones from getting dry, family bones from getting dry, morality bones from getting dry, church bones from getting dry. But ultimately, it doesn't matter how dry they get. It matters, do I believe they can live? And, and you are an Ezekiel kind of prophet. The Lord is raising you up to think differently. We're not in denial. We don't deny the challenges, but we just don't get our beliefs out of the challenges. And, and, and in the name of Jesus right now, I see Holy Spirit actually invading you with an impartation to see things differently, to see yourself differently, to see people differently, to, to see what it, the nation differently, to see in dry bones, to see an army. There's an army there. This generation, there's an army Instead of complaining about a generation or a group of people, no, that's an army. Somebody's got to believe they can live. Somebody's got to get unreasonably optimistic, and that somebody is me. Say, it's me too. So if you receive the word tonight, say, I receive it. I'll never be the same again. Something happened in me tonight. And I'll never be the same again. Before we transition into a ministry time, uh, we want to just give away just a, a few books. And we've got the book, Let's Just Laugh at That for Kids. It's 20 Lies. This is ideally ages 6 to six 10, but it can go up. I mean, I even read this and get ministered by it. I mean, some of the lies I say, wow, I'm tempted to believe that lie. Like, let's just laugh at the first lie in the book. It's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> mm -hmm. hey, remind me your name? Yeah, Julia. Yeah, I, I, I just hear over you, you're, you're, you have a high-level anointing to release the joy of the Lord. You're a joy of the Lord releaser. 
Then this book is, let's just laugh at that. Let's just laugh at that, by the way. <laughs> this, is a, this is a nuclear bomb to lies. 45 lies that past experience says is true, but God's word says something else is true. Right there, sir. Family. Wait, what's your name, by the way, Dylan? Chuck? Yeah. Um, I'm just hearing, uh, just using the letters of your name, you're a catalytic hero unleasher. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lord, thank you, Holy Spirit. Creating kings. Catalytic hero unleasher, creating kings, especially in the marketplace. Yeah, you're a, you're, a, you're a creator of kings in the business world. Mm-hmm. Wow. Every year for Lent, we do a 40-day negativity fast using this book. And Lent is this year starting uh, in March. Lent is an annual Christian event where people uh, give up something, fast something for 40 days before Easter. Um, and this is a, uh, a book that we use. Does fasting food for, you know, it's a heavy food fast season. And the Lord said, I heard him say this, Steve, your food fasts aren't doing much good. I love your heart. But the, the positive of your food fast plus your general pessimism and negativity equals a big zero. <laughs> I got a suggestion for you once you go on a 40-day negativity fast. This is what this book is about and plus declarations. And it's our first book. It's our most popular book. This book has brought more breakthrough than any other um, thing that we've done. And so, yeah, if you want to, I want to give it to the gentleman right there, sir. Yes, you. What's your name, by the way? Nick? Yeah, Nick. Um, I, I just see the Lord's given you a revelation that light is more powerful than darkness. And our jobs as Christians is not to fight darkness, but to turn the light on. And I see God just taking that truth and... On the inside of you. And, and, and you have an anointing to be more for things than against things. And then lastly, this is a book called Victorious Mindsets. And Wendy's book is on the table. It's, the, it's actually the best book out there. Living from the Unseen. But this is a book that, that releases... Um, the renewing of the mind isn't by osmosis, but it's by believing specific truths. I want to give it to the gentleman... Right behind you, sir, the, the guy with his head down. Here you go. Can you give that to Chris? Yeah. Chris, I just see the Holy Spirit. You're a powerful Holy Spirit man. You really are. Powerful. And I see that book, Victorious Mindsets, with your Holy Spirit power merging and creating a boom. You're, you're, you're a suddenly releaser. Bless you.
All right. You guys good? I think here's how we're going to close tonight. I think we should just party in Jesus a little bit. Is the worship team ready? Are you guys? Yeah, just have the worship team come on up. Anything you want to say, Pastor? By the way, it's so good to be with you, CJ and Lisa. Thank you. We're just so blessed. But I just sense, you know, maybe some of you need to go, um, and, and we understand that if that's the case, um, and we bless you. But I just sense tonight the Lord just wanted to call as many of us to come forward as possible and to fill up this area here and to press into God. Tonight's a night of freedom. Tonight's a night of, uh, of encounters. Tonight's a night of, uh, of, of receiving. And Wendy and I and the ministry team, why don't we have the ministry team come on up right now so we know who they are. And, and we're, we're going to be circulating and laying hands on people. And there's going to be people getting healed tonight. There's going to be people getting filled with the Holy Spirit tonight. There's going to be people tonight just getting um, a, a fresh touch from God. So why don't we stand? And um, just, yeah, just, just come forward. If just this, I believe as you step forward tonight, the Lord's going to uh, meet you in a powerful way out of its past. I feel like there's people who've been entombed in their past. And God is saying that you are no longer who you used to be, but you are a whole new creation. You are well able to overcome whatever is in your life and that you were called to fly. You were called to begin to speak life and to bring dead things to life. And I just release your voice in Jesus name. And I say, come forth, arise and shine. This is your moment. This is your time. And I don't care how old you are. God is ready to use you in a way you've never dreamed of. You, I just picture your spirit man arising. Picture that new creation. You're seated in heavenly places. You know, a, a spirit created this natural realm, and it is spirit that will influence it. And you are born again of the spirit, and you have authority where you didn't think you had authority because it's not based on your performance. So I just say, arise and shine. Break, just shake off the shackles. Shake off the past, the lies that have held you in, in bondage. And just in Jesus' name, just begin to receive your new identity by faith, by faith, by faith. You not only receive Jesus, but you live by faith. You receive your new identity by faith. You receive your new abilities by faith. You're full of wisdom. An anointing. It's impossible for nothing to happen when you pray. It's impossible. You're anointed. You're anointed. You're anointed. Just, just repeat after me. I'm anointed. It's impossible for nothing to happen when I pray. 
Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, somebody just say fire. Fire. See the Lord just to just just right now, just absolutely freeing us from fear. Let's press in even more. Yeah, Holy Spirit, just just turn it up. Increase it. I just see Holy Spirit just, I just keep getting the word fire. (laughs) And I just, I'm just seeing fresh fire being released in our hearts. Duty Christianity is just getting obliterated. And there's fire. There's revivalists in the room. I see every continent of the world being touched by people in this room. Every continent. We're going to do one more. Uh, you can stay as long as you want, but let's, let's press in. Just I just want to encourage you. If you received a, um, a personal prophetic word this, these last couple of days uh, from Wendy and, and Steve, or as they shared corporate declarations and words from the Lord, you know, sometimes you might have received a word and, you, and, and you're thinking, well, that's not me. I mean, that's kind of like the opposite of me. But what I want to encourage you, when the Lord is, is, is speaking the word, it may not be your current circumstances. But with his word, grace is released. Grace is riding on that word. And if you receive that word by faith, then you'll receive the grace to begin to walk in that new reality. There have been times when I've been in Walmart and the Lord would tell me, he'd show me a, a mom. And he said, I want you to go tell her she's, doing a, she's a great mom and she's doing a great job. And, I, and I'd say, Lord, how do I not know she's not an abusive mom? And then that's when he'd tell me. He says, when I give a word, I release my grace with it. Now it's up to her to receive it. So if you've received the word tonight, I want to encourage you to receive that word by faith with the grace that God will release. I've heard crazy stories. Of people receiving a prophetic word about, you're a great song leader, you're going to write many songs, you're a worship leader. And it's like, lady, I, I can't even play a guitar. But she received the word, and within a short time, I mean months, or I can't remember if it was a year or so, she was playing an instrument, she was writing songs, she was leading worship. Because she chose to receive what God was saying. And so I want to encourage you, corporate words, individual words, receive them by faith and say, God, thank you for the grace. I stand in agreement with what you told me and begin to walk in that newness that he's calling you to walk in. Amen. And lastly, I just want to encourage you 
to let your speech be different so that it can begin to change your beliefs. Because we recognize, we've been, we've been taught how our beliefs are a big deal. They're a big deal. And God wants our beliefs and our, and our speech, our declaration to line up with what he's saying about you. And he's saying some crazy awesome things about you. And he wants you to be saying those same things. Amen? Will you agree to do that? Will you say, Pastor CJ, I will align my speech and my thoughts with what God is saying about me? Amen. Father, we just thank you for these last wonderful, power-packed, filled days. And we thank you that this is a launching pad. And Father, I thank you that we had a number of fellowships, number of church families from out of town, from here in Stillwater, that have come together. And Lord, I thank you, and I'm so excited about what you're doing in Stillwater, what you're doing in Payne County, what you're doing in Oklahoma. And I thank you, Lord, that, that people are being launched, that ministries are being launched, that nations have been set on people's hearts in these last couple of days, and those nations will be impacted by people in this sanctuary. Thank you, Father, that people in this community and people in this, in this, in this state, their lives are going to be forever changed because they're going to be impacted by someone in this room. And they're going to have Holy Ghost encounters. And it's with people who, before tonight, didn't believe they could. And we thank you so much, Father, for what you're doing. I thank you, Father, that we're getting it. We're beginning to agree with you. And, Lord, I thank you for releasing your blessing on your people, your encouragement, your joy, your joy. And, Lord, I thank you that people are going to leave this room tonight in this church with the thought that you don't just tolerate them, but you celebrate them. I want you to fall asleep with that thought tonight. God doesn't tolerate you. He celebrates you. He celebrates you. Amen? So as you go, be blessed. The messages will be on, on the website, and they have messages, you know, connect with their ministry, Igniting Hope, so you can receive their daily cool stuff every day and the monthly stuff, and just get connected with stuff that's going to encourage you and empower you. So you guys be blessed as you go. Thanks for coming, and I would encourage you to uh, take advantage of the opportunity to give and sow them back in their ministry. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you guys. And you guys have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next time. Amen. Is it too late? Okay, can you say? If, uh, we have a testimony real quick about declaration. So as you, if you can just listen to this real quick. Go ahead. Okay, can everybody hear me? I should have obeyed the the Holy Spirit earlier. Sorry, Lord. Okay. Um, I just want to declare that God has delivered me from the spirit of trauma. <laughs> and I'm not going to go like 40 years because we all know I can talk, but long story short, I went through like years of trauma and, um, before the women's conference, which, um, I, I got some real deliverance and prayer and what came out from Lisa and from the ladies was that there was a spirit of trauma over me. And I can't, I don't think at the time I understood that. And then now I'm seeing it in my life. 
And so as um, you guys were up here, the Holy Spirit kept telling me that there's some of you here who have been, whenever she was taught, I'm sorry, I'm Wendy. Okay, sorry. Not the name person. Um, when you were talking about the past and being in tune to the past, I was reminded that that's what I was when I was stuck in that spirit of trauma. And um, I just wanted to declare that um, we aren't called to have an identity of trauma because what happened is a spirit of trauma tormented me and I took on that identity And so I stayed where I was at, and I'm still crawling out of it, but I feel like there's some people here who um, maybe not are not even aware of that, but that God, and I'm going to declare for you that that is going to be lifted off of your life. Now go in peace and be blessed. God bless you guys.